Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Hawks Insiders. Wednesday night, safe space, our last Wednesday, safe space for the foreseeable future, given that Thursday night footy ends this weekend. We'll be back on Thursday nights from next week for the next little while. It is, we are down a lot of soldiers tonight and uh, we might have to give it a bit break, but uh, there's only two of us in the, running the show tonight, but as always, we hope to hear from as many of you as possible, and we have a few questions from our Hawks Insiders family that we're going to get through over the next little while as well. So it is in the driver's seat tonight, behind the hiding behind the Hawks Insiders uh, uh, Twitter handle is Darren Levine. Hello, Daz. Hey, Ash. Yeah, good to be back. Just me and you again. Uh, missing missing the other boys, but um, yeah, I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about. We will soldier on in the finest Hawthorne tradition. Uh, thanks always, everyone, for your support of Hawks Insiders. Uh, let's get that over with from the start. We really appreciate all the support, all the feedback. We get wonderful comments now in our articles as well from fans who are really engaged, and we enjoy that side of it as well. So the Hawks are coming off their 13-point loss. It's a long week for them. They played Saturday, and last Saturday, and they're not playing till Sunday against North Melbourne. So it's a long week for them. I think they train today, and um, they are off tomorrow. And then main session will be Friday into Sunday's game. We've got a couple of uh, players that I think will be a watch. We'll get to that in a bit, Daz. Let's start by revisiting and putting the Giants game to bed. Um, it was 12-13-85, the Giants, fourth on 10-12-72. A game that I thought, and I wrote, I was never ever confident Hawthorne were going to win, even in the patches of the game. They played well and stages of the game. They had shots on goal to bring them within a goal in a couple of cases. I never felt confident. Did you? No, not even when it looked like we Will Day could have um, made it close. I just didn't feel like we were we were the best team on the day. I think um, we were actually quite lucky to be in it, I thought, through the game. Um, some wayward kicking on their part, um, and yeah, I, I thought we competed well, but I don't think you could look at that game and think that we should have won that. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I said I never, if I'm particularly confident, probably would have stolen that the Giants kicked badly, kept Hawthorne in the game. Um, there was some good efforts, and it was good to see the spirit come back uh, and the competitiveness as well, and uh, if we see more of that, they will win games before the end of the season and probably not just the game on Sunday, which they will start reasonably warm favourites. Daz, what did you like about the game? Um, yeah, look, I think the midfield um, competed really well, um, you know, up in up in clearances, I think. And, you know, obviously Finn McGuinness had arguably the best game of his career, just absolutely shutting down Kelly, who's been in ripping form, Um I think it was better than his shutdown performance of Langdon. Probably one of the best tagging performances in recent memory. And I think he made a few teams of the week there. So really, really pleased for Finn. I think he's had a bit of an up and down year. And I guess the question begs is, is whether we can afford to have uh, a, a, a tagging player or whether he uh, has other tools in his in his kit and he can do other roles. But um, yeah, just... The thing, and I was going to talk about Finn for a sec. The thing is with Finn Daz is that his best, his two negating, best negating roles have come against outside midfielders. It was Ed Langdon last season and Josh Kelly this season. My worry is that if you throw him into the centre line mix, if you play him as an on ball, like, for example, against uh, David Uniaki this week for North Melbourne, does it disrupt the flow of the midfield too much by having a pure and negative player through there when you've got? Nash, you've got uh, Newcomb, you've got Warple, you've got Will Day, um, Ward and others who need to go through the midfield. It's a great point, Ash. I think um, I look back on, some, you know, he did a great job on Took Miller, for example, last year as well. So he can he can play an inside tag, but I think Nash has proven as well that he can be the negating player in the middle and he can also offer a lot uh, going forward and, and winning the footy himself. So... It's going to be really interesting to see what happens at selection because, yeah, I, I agree. Davis Uniac probably seems like the logical tag there for North. So, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. Maybe Finn's destiny is to be in and out of the side and to be used as that sort of tagging 
tagging weapon through his career. It's it's not beyond the realms of possibility. Yeah, but uh, is that a satisfactory outcome for him to get to play six, seven games a year when it's absolutely crying out for that mm. tag? And then you telegraph it a bit as well by having come into the side. So, it, yeah. not sure that's the best long term outcome, but uh, he did play very well. It'd be very hard to see them um, miss him from the team against North this week, even though that on on the surface there doesn't seem to be a really obvious, um, a really obvious outside midfield matchup for him. What else did you like? Uh, yeah, I think Josh Ward had a great game. Um, just slotted that goal wonderfully and. Just as I said on the ratings pod, just does all the fundamental things really well. Um, I love McDonald's second half and, and that goal in the last quarter. Really kept us uh, in with a shot. Uh, I think Blank did a reasonable job there on some of their big key forwards and competed really well. And there's some really uh, good footage that the Hawks put out of his game. Um, so I think he's, he's developing nicely and I think he's earned a contract extension as well. Uh, for his for his recent run of form, which is which is great to see. Yeah, we'll get to uh, we get to the news of the Hawks in a little bit. We will go through the blank contract extension. A couple of things that I didn't like out of the game were uh, Will Day, as well as he played those shots for goal in the last quarter were outrageously poor. Um, the very casual kick around the body that he missed, um, and even the set shot. A minute later, the Hawks did well to get the ball back pretty quickly and almost get a second opportunity for that shot and goal that I think would have brought them to within a kick. And he missed that one as well. But the first one I thought was uh, really disappointing and far too casual for for that stage of the game. What did you think? Oh, yeah. But, you know, like, I think as I said on the ratings pod, I really loved the way that he went um, straight away and took that contested mark, um, which is what, what we're crying out for the whole day. No one could, could do that. And Will took it upon himself to take that mark. He's going to learn from that experience. I think the 11 shot from 11 metres out was really the one for me that I think he'll probably never do again. So you can at least understand a miss from, you know, whatever the other shot was, 35 out. But 11 metres, I think that'll be a first and last for Will. And he's he seems like his own worst critic. So he'll probably be watching the tape uh, over and over again to... To, to, to never make that make, make that mistake. Yeah, and he liked, yeah, as the, the coach said, he threw a day and then Newcomb Ford with the, the brief to win the game for us. And uh, certainly in the case of Day, he got his hands on the ball a couple of times to indeed try and win the game for Hawthorne. It didn't quite um, work out in the end. The other uh, poor part of the day, and he, you know he's done well to come back in the fat manner he has this year, and he's still averaging about two and a half goals a game, was Mitch Lewis had a pretty dirty day. Yeah, I think that's his worst game in a while. Um, Mitch usually gets on the scoreboard as well, so it's it's a very rare day when he's when he's not kicking goals, and he didn't didn't really seem like he was involved much either. He he, he didn't he didn't seem to 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 be working up the ground like he usually do, does to get his own ball. Up. He had pretty poor service through the day as well. But, yeah, that's that's probably as bad as a day as I've seen Mitch. And the forward line is just completely Mitch-centric. I, I, I think, too, he plays better with Kaczynski in the side. Kaczynski's um, got a lot of detractors, Andrew Reese being uh, one, of, one of the chief uh, detractors. But um, I think Cozzy is a nice balance for, for, for Mitch. And I think they work really well in tandem. I think the... The one, their real head scratching move for me is DGB Ford. Uh, I hated it. I didn't like anything about his game. It was great that he kicked the goal, but it, you know it was a soft free kick, and uh, you know good on him for taking his chance. But I thought it really just upset the balance of that forward line. It was, uh, it, yeah, I don't think we learned anything about DGB from that performance at all. Yeah, it was a punting selection in a way. Um, I've posited the theory that uh, it was a uh, Mitchell learning experience to play senior football, run out of gas by half time, and perhaps that's the uh, learning experience that you'll need to know what you've got to do with your training standards to get to the level because he I thought I thought he was okay with his out there. He, he you know, he was created a presence, crashed a couple of packs, got the goal. I mean he sort of did the role in a way that uh, you expect from forward. If you doubled that over four quarters, you eight touches and two goals and you think, well he, you know, it was a 
he, he played some sort of role. So I'm not as dirty on the move to play in the sum. I, what they do this week with Cassiano, given the blanks not playing, um, and whether DGB holds his spot and perhaps goes back uh, goes into the back line uh, against North on Sunday um, to take Blake's spot. So Sicily comes back this week, which is a massive sigh of relief for everybody. Um, but it's just a fascinating thing. We'll talk about DGB a bit further on as well uh, with a couple of sort of trade snippets going around. So uh, there were the two main things. And I guess Ned Reeves, uh, you know, a lot of hit outs. Zero presence elsewhere. He actually, you know, if you based on pure ruck work, he had a reasonable day, but very little presence around the ground. Um, was well beaten by the very informed Kieran Briggs from the Giants around the ground. So I don't know what that means uh, for this week. I think I suspect they've given up on the two rucks for a while. I don't think they'll be playing two rucks against North this week. North have Christian Cherry, um, or they bring back Todd Goldstein. But I, I would imagine the Hawks will probably go with the one ruck, but we'll talk about Box Hill briefly. There's a couple of intriguing prospects there. So it was a better performance by Hawthorne at the House of Horrors. They're now 0 8 at Giant Stadium. The real fear was that uh, with a young team, um, perhaps had a couple of heavy losses, that their towers might be between their legs, but they were sprightly and up and about. And even after those first couple of goals, when a certain person in our WhatsApp group whose name wasn't Brad Flabansky said, This is over, um, the Hawks actually kept it interesting for most of the game. Yeah, they did, and uh, you know, it's th- th- there's no harm in an honourable loss, especially at a time of year when you know it uh, it feels very junk timey. And I know it's pre- you know we're not too 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 soon after the bye, but it, it does feel like we're kind of now going to start seeing some very experimental sides for the remaining rounds. Some pl- some players being tried, some players who are sort of at the end of their or on their last kind of chance, I think, at the club. Um, you know, Jekka, who knows what the next few weeks are going to bring. Um, and I don't think uh, we're really going to be playing for wins anymore. I think it's um, not that we're ever really doing that this year, but I, I think, we're, you know, it's, this this is going to be the start of a very strange period for, for the Hawks to, to round out the year. Yeah, that's right. I'm not... Uh... Selection is fascinating. The clock really is ticking now. Seven games to go. Six of them in Victoria, which means that the fans can actually have a good sustained look at them for the rest of the season rather than be relying on the lens of uh, Fox footy that we have been more or less for the entire season. Um, so I guess we first inkling, um, we'll get the first inkling with at least a squad named tomorrow night. The downside, of course, of Sunday football is we get a squad Thursday night and the, the actual team on a Friday uh, the Giants had uh, the Hawks had a good win over the Giants in the VFL. It was a fourteen point win. A funny old game. The Hawks twice uh, jumped out to big leads and to be uh, reeled back in by the Giants. And someone called Wayne Dirksen kicked four goals in the last quarter to really put the Frighteners up Box Hill, but they got a steadier to win. The takeaway from that game, Daz, was four goals to Brandon Ryan. Um, and I actually did something I don't normally do, which is actually watch a chunk of that game on Sunday before the Hawthorne game started. I watched the third quarter, and Ryan moved really well. He's a quite a smooth mover, um, reasonably nimble and, and quite well-skilled for a big boy. Looks like he needs to put on a few kegs. He kicked four goals, which has been enough for certain people to be demanding he be picked to play for Hawthorne this week. But we've said a couple of times, Darren, that uh, he's only on a contract at the end of the season, so they, you would think they're obliged to have a look at him at some stage. Yeah, you think so, Um you know, but 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 he could be a long term prospect. I mean, just looking at him for Box Hill, and I, I had a, a watch of that game as well. He does look super raw, and 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 he's got a long way to go in terms of his physical development. So he might, I reckon, he'll get a game, but um, I don't know if it's going to be next week. I think I think they're going to they're going to see how he goes in the VFL for a bit more, and, and see whether that's you know. A, a one-off game or he's ready for, for the big stage. But he, he he just doesn't look like he's got an AFL-ready body just yet, unfortunately. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's some there's some real a lot of players in that VFL side that are pushing hard for selection. Ned Long had, you know, 31-odd touches and a goal. And uh, Cam McKenzie, obviously, just, just continuing to knock on the door. Cooper Stevens has got to be close to a recall now. 
Um, and Sarong, I think, uh, Sarong really is carving out a, a pretty, a, a pretty good case for, for, um, uh, being, being recalled into the back line even. So, yeah, the, the, there's some really good signs at Box Hill and I think that their form, um, is great news for Hawthorne. Yeah. So we look at Box Hill, they had, um, so the Hawthorne supplies long had 31. Uh, Disposal don't keep the goal. He is what they say, does banging down the door for selection. I would imagine he'll be in the squad when it's picked tomorrow night. Our whether he comes into the uh, side remains to be seen. We're going to get Mick on very shortly to give us a bit of a training update. He'll uh, he'll have some views as to who trained today. That might be including looking at to Saturday, to Sunday. Bearing in mind they'll have their proper proper session, I imagine, on Friday. Husswaite twenty six touches. Cam McKenzie had twenty. Bramble had nineteen. Kicked two goals. Bramble's fallen to the trap where he's just, I think he's nearly too good for VFL. He's always going to have games where he, you know, he's going to break the lines and get a lot of touches and get on the scoreboard, but uh, just not 100% convinced he's, he's right for AFL level. Cooper Stevens had 19, kicked a goal. Lloyd Meek kicked a goal um, and had 18 touches, a bit of physicality there. Jack had 17, playing down back. Um, and Sarong, 17, as you said, impressive as a backman. As a backman. So, there is a bit there. The selection squeeze starts. Love to be a fly on the wall with at Hawthorne Match Committee meetings and even the football board, the football committee meeting over the next little while as they try to determine how they're going to get games in, in, into everyone. That's a good opportunity with uh, us missing a few soldiers tonight to mention, uh, to bring Mick on. Good evening, Mick. Hi, Ash. Gents, everyone else, how are you going? Good to have you That's here. What did you observe out at uh, training? I believe you were there. Yeah, had a look. Um, it was interesting. There was um, Seamus, Mitchell, uh, Mitch Lewis were in the uh, rehab or the light running group along with uh, Harry Morrison. And the other one was Brandon Ryan who actually had a compression, looked like a compression bandage on his right knee. So he was just basically running up and down the far side um, and left early. Um, so... I had heard similar things about, you know, potential game this week. So I'd be interested to see how he pulls up for Friday. Now, it, it wasn't – it was running okay, um, no limp or anything like that. So I don't know whether it was just sort of a knock type thing. I just give him a light day. Um, so that was probably the most interesting aspect from – Based on your yeah, – you get out there and watch them from time to time. Based, the, the Tuesday session, which is – or the session before they have the day off, which in this case will be tomorrow – do you glean much into that, or is it really the session that they'll do on Friday, which is the, the big session they always do two yeah, days the, out from a game? Yeah. That's, that's, the, that's key the key one. one. Yeah, like Amon didn't even Amon did nothing. Like I actually missed him not being there, and he walked down twenty five minutes after everybody started. He was in um, training top, and but wasn't actually wearing runners even. He just sat on the um, trainers bench and just watched folks run around. Um, so again, another light day there. So yeah, today's normally. It's not unusual for some folks to have a light day and then the Thursday or the Friday session, whichever one it is, that's the one where you can work out who's more likely than not without a late, you know, uh, a late kerfuffle that they'd be out or at risk, so to speak. And, yeah, naming the site Thursday probably gives a clear indication too. Did CJ... Yeah, CJ was good. Yeah, he was fine. The The other interesting one in terms of those that did train was they broke into... They did no match sim. They just did um, you know, groups of, say, eight or ten into a group. And at one stage, the defenders went one end and the forwards went the other. DGB went with the forwards and Cozzy went with the defenders. So, Well, there is a theory that uh, you put this up, Daz, that uh, Cozzy could be coming as the defensive replacement for Blank this week, given that way he spent his first years at the club. I think he played a bit down back in the VFL. So that's one option they've got. Uh, Mitch Lewis might be in doubt, by the way, because um, his ankle, he did uh, he did seem to hurt his ankle in the game uh, the other day. I'm not sure how it's cooled down. He was in the rehab group today. So he, if I was watching training on Friday, he'd be the one I'd be watching the most. Yeah, uh, and he was running, though. So that was the thing. He wasn't, and again, no hobble or anything like that. And he was actually kicking the ball before they broke into the, the more serious drills beforehand. Um, but again, he was wearing, you know, training singlet rather than training jumper. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. 
I was a bit of a character to be at as well. So I want to ask you, Mick, you're, you're, you've got a keen eye and a deep understanding of what they're trying to do. Who do you think we will see at senior level before the end of the season? Who do you think they're really keen to get into the I team? Think, and how are they going to do it? I think Sarong's one they're going to have to I want to look at. I think um, Stevens would be the other one from the midfielders. And then potentially from the newer, newer blokes, Hustwaite is the one I think is the other one. I don't see O'Sullivan or uh, um, who's the other small forward? Bennett, yeah, yeah I don't see – yeah, they're not quite – you look at their size, they're just not strong enough. Um, and, again, we've already got that problem with Bruce, Wingard, Butler, um, Fergus Green to a degree. You know, that small forward, we've got plenty of them. So there's, they can wait another year, I'd suggest. But I think Sarong is – I take the point that Darren made earlier. You know, he might be the one – Going forward for that that backline, that then throws into doubt. Well, not doubt, but you know, um, Scrimshaw, that sort of role, that third tall. Um, I'm not sure what they'll do with Jekka. I don't know. He's you know he might be marked, had enough chances, and injury injury prone. But um, it was quite interesting. That's the interesting thing with McGuinness. You know, why would you play a tagger if you weren't playing to win? That was you know, um, that's what I found interesting about last week's game. Um, in in respect to selection, you know, would you play then a Hustwaite or a, a um, or potentially or Ned Long is the other one, of course. Like he's banging the door down, and you think he could have played the tagging role because you know Finn actually Finn yeah. runs past the ball. He actually just focuses totally on Kelly. Doesn't worry about the ball at all. Um, well, I think it's like fifteen touches. Yeah. So he did, he did a little bit with the ball yeah. when he got it. I'm fascinated to see where their approach is. And I'm going to ask you to actually hang on for the rest of the spaces if you don't mind. Just be a, you can be our standard third host for the night if, if you want. So feel free to butt into anything we say for the evening. I, what I'm fascinated about with Hawthorne now is they beat North Melbourne on Sunday. And you talk about playing to win. So if they go out and beat North on Sunday, they'll be three games clear of North with six games to go. They won't probably catch up to anybody above them. I think, I think Sydney are, are, are two, two and a half games clear of them. They're locked in, they could be locked into 16th with six games to go. Does that then give Mitchell the scope to say, right, oh, well, we can't change our ladder position. We can't be accused of tanking because we can't move anywhere. Does, he, does, it, does it give him free uh, carte launch? And Daz, I want your view on this as well. Just to throw the magnets up and say, right, oh, we've got, we're back into, as we were for the second half of last season, pure experimentation mode. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one because yeah, I think I think Mick made a great point on Finn. You don't you don't play a tagger if you if you want to tank or lose a game. I don't think Mitch cares about the tanking comments whatsoever. I think he's probably looking at it as a, a sort of uh, a season that goes over sixty six games. Uh, you know, like I don't think he's he's looking at it as. Uh, as we are, as the season ends when it traditionally ends. I think he's looking at a long-term journey and maybe it's more important for him to take momentum into next year um, rather than looking at it in a very linear, okay, the season ends uh, in October and then a new season starts. I think he's looking at a, a, a much, he's taken a much wider view. And I think, I think even Mackenzie or Burge kind of mentioned that approach um, when we spoke to them at the start of the year. So while we will see experimental sides, uh, I I think momentum is a really powerful thing in footy and that can extend across seasons. I agree with that too. And I also think, you know, he's got a selection honesty or policy. You know, you get rewarded for effort and return. And I also, I've got a suspicion whether he thinks perhaps a box hill flag or box hill good run at finals might be important for some of these younger kids. Um, and he might say, okay, well, you know, they'll, they'll get some success and see whether they can move forward from there. But, you know. Maybe keep the box hill, maybe make sure, uh, most of them would be by now anyway, but make sure that most of the young box hill players, are, uh, most of the young kids are box hill eligible so they can play finals. Yeah. And that might hold them in good stead. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't yeah. thought of that. So, Because, yeah. um, you know, McKenzie, you know, otherwise you'd be playing McKenzie every, every week. You wouldn't be dropping him, I would have, th- I would have thought. Yeah, Mackenzie must be. I, I don't know how it works. We we'll might have to get um, Ed Silver joins uh, in the next little while, but I, I'm not quite sure. I'm not sure. Remember what the eligibility rules are anymore. So, um, yeah, Mackenzie might. They might be actually getting Mackenzie 
boxer eligible for a final, thinking that's uh, that's the best thing to play another sort of another month of footy is the best thing for him. So anyway, uh, I might have to have a word to Kane Corns and get those questions onto him next time on SEN. We had a few questions, um, and I'm going to go through them now, and then we'll talk a bit about some news, a few bits of pieces of news out of the uh, news and footy that news out of the Hawks as well. So. The first one is from um, from Gunster. With Blank out with concussion this week, do we bite the bullet and throw DGB down back with Sicily and Frost there? Bring in Cosie to help out Mitch up forward and chop out our main ruck. Who, sh- who should we make after Ree's pitiful efforts lately? Daz, what do you think? I think DGB's got to play in the back line. Like you, as I keep saying, he was drafted as the best backman for his age in uh, nationally. So... It just makes zero sense to me why they're trying to put him forward at this stage of his career. Um, and I think he's, he's, he's got to... I'd love to see him play the next few games or, or see out the season in the back line, which is what he was drafted as. I think Cozzy, it's, it's a different story. Cozzy uh, was kind of thrown into the forward line as a, a bit of a Hail Mary. Uh, I think it was McC- Craig McRae that, that actually saw his potential to be a forward and you know, he was a, a sort of late draft pick, so they could they could kind of throw the magnets around with him a little bit and, and experiment. But with GGB, you know, he, he's he's drafted for that reason, and it just seems crazy now that we've got that gap in the back line to have him playing up forward or back at Box Hill. Uh, certainly, this week North Melbourne. If, if the aim is to win the game this week, North Melbourne have lost Griffin Logue now for the season, their second key defender. So they're down to, uh, what's it, Ben Mackay and not a whole lot else down there. So Hawthorne, if it's to play two tall forwards, if it's uh, Lewis and Cozzy could really uh, work the North Melbourne back line over. So that is a, worth, a point worth considering as well. But they've got, I mean, can you play Cozzy and Green in the same, and Lewis in the same forward setup? Mick, can you see that working? Well, that's the issue. You know, and I don't, the other thing too is I don't, like, they've got Larky up forward, and I don't know that they've actually got the second tour. Like, that's Zerha. It'll be Zerha, probably, for them. And he's sort of that undersized, strong bull. Now, do you actually need the second tour? Um, and I've got a bit of an issue, to, going back to what Darren said about DGB's draft year. You know, I, I think that, that was a COVID year, and I think the COVID years yeah. are going to be really suspect in terms of the draft because those kids just didn't play. Um, now DGB and did, I was going to say DGB and McDonald were the lucky ones. They played in WA, so to get a comparison as to who is actually the best, and they were the really I can't who went one was that Eugle Hagen's uh, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah Eugle Hagen's year. So again, you know he's just coming to, coming out of his game now, and he was number one. So um, in terms of other tools, so you go to um, it's Campbell, Goulden. Those midfielders have probably shown the greatest um, development thus far, getting, getting distracted from this week's game. But I think, yeah, going back to that, I think um, the North back line is obviously decimated. Um, who's got the forward craft outside of Lewis? Now, if he's injured, doesn't play, that would be the interesting thing. Um, that actually might swing it, <laughs> obviously, to a more even game. Um, but yeah. the midfield, the, the other thing too is North's midfield got smashed by Geelong. So... Knowing Brett Ratton, he wouldn't be happy about that. He, you know, so there'd be onus on their midfield to be um, more accountable and more assertive on the ball than they were last week. So it could be uh, we want to rest our laurels because again, we were all complaining last Wednesday about our midfield against Carlton not not doing anything, and then they come around and do the right thing this week or you know, against GWS. Um, they might be flaky, so to speak. Well, do they bring that, do they bring Ben Cunnington back for one to torment Hawthorne one last time? He, <laughs> <laughs> no, he five years worth of, of playing well against Hawthorne, so he's not going. Much, he's, he's just about finished Cunnington, mm. but he might have one last one hurrah left. Well, that's what, the well, is, I mean, North. This is North's grand final, so, yeah. now, so they'll be up. Well, Connor it. Nash actually sort of quickened his demise, if you remember, because he he took him up. He took him to the cleaners when he played down in Tassie. That was probably the last game yeah. we played. Yeah. Yeah. So let's hope we'll do it again. Um, all right. So now, Mickey, yeah, post question. We'll do the second part. I think we've discussed the first, but can we play the mix of Bruce Wingard, Moore, Brockman, and Green as support to two marking targets in Ford 50? 
Mm. Yeah, not sure. There's a, the Brad theory is you can't play Bruce and Wingard in the same team anymore. They're both uh, between them two slots. Yeah, I'm more concerned about actually um, Fergus Green. You know, he's he's really I see him as a small forward rather than mid. Although I, got, I give him credit for what he did last week. He crashed the packs against GWS and actually brought the ball to ground a couple of times. But he's got no real leg speed chase either with Brewsty. Um, Wingard can chase from time to time, but you know, um, I just. You know, how small can we go, and how, you know, um, and how aggressive and assertive can we be in that realm um, without having a second marking target? You know, that's the big issue. You know, GWS just played two, you know, played it on the break. Really, again, just dropped two off Wonder Lewis, and that was it. Yeah, yeah. Sarong was supposed to be green, but they're playing him as a backline, as a backman now. Mm. So. I yeah uh, I'm not trying to have a thinking uh, a non football a non on field question uh, from Scamasaurus with us leaving Tassie as home uh, with us leaving Tassie's home games why don't we turn Dingley to boutique stadium you see Geelong have a home ground advantage we could make a thirty thousand seat stadium for the interstate teams with all the profits going back to the club on game day thoughts interesting theory won't happen for a whole lot of reasons it would cost. I don't know, Daz, your, 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 uh, what do you think would cost it? How much would it cost? Or make any views? How much would it cost to build a 30,000 seat stadium? Half a billion? Something like that. Maybe we should get the Dingley expert on, Patrick. Um, and you <laughs> put your hand up. Um, but yeah, I, I think it would cost an absolute fortune. And, you know, that would be, uh, the AFL would never want to give Hawthorne any sort of leg up, would they? Um, yeah. So I think that's the other thing we'd have to battle. Yeah, it, it's that's uh, it's a it's a great idea in theory, but it it ain't it ain't, ain't going to happen. The other thing, of course, is there's no real public transport to Dingley. Uh, I know there's the freeways nearby, but then you've got to have proper access and egress, as they call it, from the from the from the venue there. No train line anywhere close to, to best of my knowledge. Um, so no, it's just going to be it's a nice boutique stadium for Hawthorne AFLW, and uh, you know Hawthorne might play a. Hawthorne may down the track once Tassie's finished. Hawthorne may play pre- even play preseason games there, the men's team. But I think it won't be. Uh, I don't think any prospects at all of it being anything other than a training venue for. But I did notice in the age the other day um, before I get you to comment on this is that um, the suggestion that the suburban rail link is going to need to go through part of the property that Hawthorne now owns, leaving and James Molino recently elected to the Hawthorne board is also the chairman of that authority, which leaves him in a fairly uh, tricky, uh, p- potentially conflicted situation because Hawthorne might need to sell some land to the authority in order for this railing to go ahead. Yeah, I saw that same article. But, you know, there's only one pork barrel park in the state. You know, we're in the wrong, it's in the wrong electorate, Dingley. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, and if they right. weren't prepared to develop yeah. Princess Park, they're not going to develop one out at, um, in the southeast. Yeah. No, Pork Barrel Stadium will be very impressive when it opens next year and might even uh, let more than 500 opposition supporters mm. in yeah. for the games when uh, Geelong play. does bring a bit of pressure, though. Their 40,000-seat stadium at Geelong will increase the pressure for uh, Easter Monday to not always be Geelong Hawthorne. Or it may be a situation where in the games when Hawthorne is if it, where Hawthorne's the home team, on Easter Monday, they may yet play away games at Geelong later in the year as the away team. So that has to uh, be considered as well. But uh, they've got, I think, 66,000 for Easter Monday this year, which is a very healthy crowd. So as long as they're getting crowds in the 60,000, 70,000 on Easter Monday, you would think that Geelong Hawthorne, no matter who the home team, will always be played at the MCG rather than down at Geelong. Uh, we had another question from Tom that I want to get to as well. Um, the lack of news on Brockman re-signing makes me worried he's going to request a trade home. When can we check some clarity on this? This is one of the great mysteries of um, of Hawthorne's list management is there's a belief out there that uh, Brockman is signed through to the end of next season, but no real certainty about it. Uh, the only public comments from Hawthorne is that he signed a one-year extension this year. Um, and without wanting to be a conspiracy theorist too much, I did have a friend of mine who works for the West Coast Eagles send me a tweet today after I haven't spoken for a long time saying, uh, what do you think of Tyler Brockman as a player? So, <laughs> I don't want to be alarmist, but I, and Mitch Cleary also did go with this on Channel 7, 
on the or during the pre-game show, I think, before the Saturday night game as well. I would put Brockman's odds of staying Hawthorne next year at about 40%. Darren, what do you think? Yeah, uh, but what do we think of Harley Reid as a player, Ash? So maybe, <laughs> maybe we're preparing a, a little, uh, a nice little trade deal. Um, but yeah, I'd, I don't feel super confident either at this stage of the year. I think that would have got squared away and um, it's, it's, it's a really tough one. He's got a young, very young family, twins. Uh, WA is very far from home. He seems really happy and settled and he's playing good footy and he seems to have a great relationship with, with Sammy and Sammy's got a lot of tr- uh, trust and belief in him. So you never know. Um, It'll be interesting to see how the next sort of few weeks play out. But I'd, I think I'd be start to get really nervous if we don't hear anything within the next sort of fortnight. It's, um, yeah, I, I think it's not shown really brilliantly for him. I certainly know that Sam Mitchell, as a father of you know, twins himself, is, is, uh, is very close to Brockman. But I also think there would be a fair degree of compassion from Hawthorne. If the club likes to call itself a family club as well, you know, I've, I've got issues with that moniker at the moment. But if the club wants to live to the family club values, actually, and Brockman put his hand up at the end of the year and said, I think I need to go home. I think the club probably wouldn't stand in its way. And I think Brockman also would be of a mind to say, you've looked after me and, you know, I'll, I'd like to go home, but, you know, only if you get a, a deal. I mean, West Coast actually will have the first pick in the pre-season draft if it got nasty. But there would be that hanging over everyone's head, which hopefully it wouldn't get to because Brockman's the sort of player you'd use a pre-season draft pick on if you, if you wanted to. But uh, West Coast have got uh, a second round pick of their own and one that's tied to Port Adelaide and a third round pick of their own and a third round pick tied to Port Adelaide. What sort of deal, what sort of compensation if Portland did lose Brockman, what would you expect back to Just West before Coast? we start on it, didn't, hasn't the club brought his family over to help him out this year? Some I heard, I've heard that now. Admittedly, that's different from actually living in your in your town, your hometown. So I, I agree with you, Ash, in terms of you know, family family first. Yeah, his mum was here for the, during the preseason. I don't know whether because she was seen that we saw her out of that practice match on the throw, mm. um, and that's when she was telling people he's here for two years. But it's never been confirmed by the club. There's a bit of silence coming out okay. of the club on that. Yeah. So uh, we might actually set ourselves some homework and send a query to the club and report back next week on on mm. that. Um, actually, so, uh, but what would you, if, if, what would oh. you expect from West Coast? Would uh, their, first, their, their first round pick as opposed to Ports be enough, which could be 19 20. or 20 as opposed to you know, 38 or 36 or 30? Yeah, well, that, you know, you look at where we picked him and a couple of years we've ad- developed him, so he's actually gone up from where he started. Um, I saw a tweet, someone said, one, we get one, we give three in Brockman for. <laughs> For the first pick, I just thought so. <laughs> someone's been no. someone's been on the jungle juice with that one. So uh, yeah, but no, second round, early second round pick would be, you know, given the circumstances, would be fair. Um, they've got no players to really trade back this way. So yeah, no, they've got you know, no. so that's the thing. So it'll have to be a pick. And looking at our picks, I saw the indicative um, drafting the other day. We've got. Three thirty and I think it's fifty at the moment. Um, so first to second round, which is tied to another club, and another third round, which is tied to another yeah, we, club. So we need the Bulldogs to tumble yeah, a little bit um, yeah. down the ladder that would help Hawthorne. But I mean, this is Prince's domain. He's he's on a family holiday this week. Waving back because we've got week. the Will McCabe uh, issue as well in terms of um, points. And he's tracking it being a. Uh, He's tracking it being a second, sort of a, a 15 to 20, they reckon, at the moment okay. yeah. in the draft. So Hawthorne probably have enough points with the discount with that uh, pick 30 to get him um, as a... The best of my knowledge how these things work, and Fringe is our expert here, Hawks Insiders, that sort of thing. Mm. I think that's probably tracking enough to get him. But mm. And I have said a couple of times, Hawthorne's draft strategy this year is very much about, around a high first-round pick, which will be, you know, at this stage will be in the first three or four, um, and then McCabe. And if they do that as their primary trade, uh, draft business at the end of the year, they'll be quite happy. I think they look at their list and think there's a lot of untried talent we need to look at anyway. So I don't think they're desperate to get large numbers 
through the door. I think they've got the specific needs. We've got plenty of time to address what sort of player they'll be chasing with their first pick, although most people tend to think it'll be a taller rather than a shorter player, but we'll we'll deal with that down the track. Uh, Rocky and Ralph want to know, why, why was Rees picked over Meek? That's a good question. Sam said he played well. Not many people agree with him. Um, when is CJ back? Uh, I think Mick, what do you think? He probably CJ, played. Yeah. All right, be yeah, be VFL again, yeah. And I'm Meek. You know, I'm in the Reeves camp, I've got to say. Um, you know, Meek, because he started in the centre square in one of the quarters in the Box Hill game on Saturday, um, Meek played a lot up forward. Um, I saw about three quarters of the game. Um, and again, he's more mobile around the ground, granted, but again, the centre square, and we got five goals out of the centre square on Saturday in terms of the Hawthorne game. Um, and we only, you know, if we want to kick 15 goals or 12, 12 to 15 goals, that means we've then got to get eight to 10 goals out of our actual forward line if we can get, you know, good, pro- good production out of our centre square work. And I've banged on about that in the, you know, the weekly stuff, and it's just, you know, that's our strength. With the, with the back half. The forward half is, you know, as everyone says, is just an absolute work in progress and, and is a mess, to be honest. Um, but you know, Meek, yes, around the grounds, but I don't think, you know, I, don't, I think Brig, um, Briggs would have been stronger in the centre square against Meek. Yeah, I, uh, well, I, I'm a bit, a bit perplexed by the whole ruck situation. I think Reeves hasn't had progressed as I'll, would have hoped he, he would have. I, this time last year, I was banging on about him being one of the top five ruckmen in the competition in a couple of years. I, I don't quite see that happening. Um, the only benefit you get is they're both still relatively inexperienced, so maybe they need another year or two of playing together. But I'm not quite seeing how it's going to work yet. And I'm, I'm not sure the club's convinced at the moment it's working. I don't, yeah, I'm not saying either. I'm not saying it's perfect. Um, but the other thing too, there was one where the commentators picked up on it too, where Briggs actually kicked it in, and Reeves, you know, disrupted the play. Now, admittedly, it didn't mark it. But again, I use the analogy, uh, when you're at a primary school and the biggest kid was in there having kicked a kick, what did everybody do? They just buffeted that bloke so they get a chance to get the ball. And that's the problem he faced. Like, there was even one where he was actually going to, um, Reeves was going to take a mark in the goal square and Blanky came over the back and just chopped his arms. Um, you know, it's, it is just an unfortunate thing. Of, you know, uh, mm-hmm. he, and he isn't mobile. There's no, there's no issue about that. He's not quick. But, you know, up and down the centre of the ground. And there was one where he did tap it on in the centre of the ground. We got a goal out of it again in the transition through the middle. So um, I'm a bit more half-glass full, but it's not going to be... He's not going to be a gone, I don't think. You know, he's not going to be in that level. Yeah. No, well, not me, yeah. will be. A couple of things for Scamasaurus in the questions. Warple Manager said, very little talk with Mark McKenzie. Do we try and trade him to the Cats for Max Holmes? or a late first rounder, considering the Cats only have one bull in Dangerfield on his last legs. Interesting theory. Daz, what do you think? I haven't heard that one, so that's taken me by surprise. I'm, I I feel like he's having a great season, Warple. Um, Got to be top five in the PCM for me, just in terms of consistency. The knock on him has always been his disposal, but as I keep saying, He's getting the ball in, in, in really high-pressure situations and sometimes the only option is to throw it on the boot. So I don't really prescribe to the fact that he's super wasteful. I think he's had a terrific year and I would be really sad to see him go because I think he's uh, a bit of a, a, you know, a sort of spiritual leader in a lot of ways. I think he's really seems to be well-liked at the club. I think he, he always looks like he's having a great time and loves his teammates and loves the club. So... You know, obviously the lure of going back to Geelong is very strong for a lot of players and it's a great lifestyle there. And, you know, it seems like they buy players a, a nice beachside property or a farm or whatever whatever they want up there. And <laughs> given the keys to Cadinia Park to have a kick whenever they want. But, um, yeah, I'd be really sad to see him go. Um, and, and, and I hope, and I hope uh, he gets an extension because he certainly deserves it. Yeah, it's, it's interesting theory. Though. Max Holmes, with his outside speed, would be great for Hawthorne. Um, and Hawthorne have got other hard midfielders. It'd be fascinating if it, it, it fascinating if, if if the conversations take place later in the year and uh, where the Hawks would be tempted. I'm not quite sure that would happen. Geelong tend not to lose too many players um, 
once they get in there, they tend to stay there. So I can't see Holmes leaving. And to be honest, why would you want to leave Geelong to come to Hawthorne at this stage? And also from Scamasaurus, thoughts on playing Frost as a wingman? It takes out the defence and a bit of Frost ball on the wing helps. And you know he can drop back to help out the defence. Nick, what do you think? This part of Saturday's game was Frosty playing the second ruck and saving Connor Nash from getting getting his knee uh, bashed into. <laughs> Frosty on the wing, no, sorry. I just can't see that, that happening. Uh, you know? um, uh, yeah. He's, and it's interesting watching him at training. He is, when they do this, the warm-up sprints through the centre square, he is, he is last by about 20 metres. Yet on a Saturday, he is one of the quick, you know, has been one of the quickest blocks. I still think he's got some foot injury or knee injuries that he's still managing. Um, and I don't know that he would actually have the um, motor to, to go up and down that wing um, that the modern wingman has to play. I thought watching on Saturday um, that they tried very, very hard not to put the ball in Frost's mm. hands and have him purely play as a negating player. And I thought he was extra careful with the ball, even to the point where I think his kicking action was a bit more... It's almost like watching someone... It was almost like watching Mason Cox kick the ball. He was kicking the ball like a beginner, like someone who hasn't played a lot of footy mm. and being really deliberate with his ball drop and kicking through the ball. That was just, and, and just trying to be less cavalier yeah. with the ball, I think. And certainly backed up with what Mitchell said on the radio last week, that I think his teammates might have uh, be holding a bit more accountable now for, uh, for his... For his uh, his work with the ball. His work without the ball is, is still really critical. He's a great negator. And I don't think he gets enough credit from Hawthorne supporters for his work away from the ball. He's a very good stopping defensive defender. The problem is they've got to try and work out to, just not to get the ball in his hands too often. Yeah, there was a classic, you know, there's one against Carlton on the halfback flank on the southern on the Shane Ward side. And he missed the Hawthorne blokes by fifteen yeah, the fifteen metre kick and he missed it. He kicked it straight to a carlton like they turned it around. Yeah. So that might have just been the penny dropping. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah, and that, that missed handball oh, as well yeah. against uh, Carlton. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. That you, uh, you tried to, you went to a deep dive on in your. Oh, yeah, that was two, dude, that was two games in a row in exactly the same spot. It was just. Yeah, yeah trying to explain <laughs> what had happened. Um, always thought, uh, from Patrick, always thought if we should look at regional Victoria similar to the dogs with Ballarat. Well, I've said the Hawks will need to look. When Tassie goes away in a few years, they'll need to. They won't be playing 11 home games in Melbourne. They need to find a secondary market. Do they try and do... Do they try and do New Zealand better than St Kilda ever did it? Do they try and do uh, far north Queensland better than St Kilda have done it? Do they... I'm still of the belief they should sell up. They should play North Melbourne in Perth and get all the neutral North supporters because they've got a huge following there and all the Hawthorne supporters in Perth also got a huge following and go to play a game at Optus Stadium as a home game and they would make an absolute killing. That's been my uh, belief, but that's something that we look at for a while. Does Finn go to Sheasel? Um, Scamasaurus says, Sheasel, uh, Daz, we've got, a, uh, we, we, we've got a, a thing for Sheasel. What do you think about that one? Yeah, I don't mind that. I mean, yeah, look, I think Sheasel's he's, he's getting a lot of the footy. I haven't watched that much of North, to be fair. Is he the person that at his young age, gets North going and uh, keeps, you know, I don't, I don't, I think he's accumulating a lot of the footy, but it's, I don't think he's Nick Dacos. Um, and I certainly don't think he's uh, a sort of Josh Kelly game-changing sort of player just yet, even though he is getting a lot of it. But uh, that seems like a, it'd be an interesting um, way of using Finn. Uh, yeah, it's, I think if, if Finn's going to tag anyone, it is, Probably going to be Davies, Davies Uniac. Um, that just seems like the most obvious matchup to me. Yeah, certainly without Simkin playing as well. If you can, uh, if you can curb Davies Uniac, uh, there's really only two ways, only a couple of ways North can beat Hawthorne, I think, on Saturday. One is if Larky goes on an absolute tear and without Blake in the side, that's a possibility. Although Sicily coming back, we forget Hawthorne are a three or four goal better team with Sicily playing these. But he was in such great form before getting suspended. And if he can pick that, resume that form pretty quickly, um, the back line will be organised and I can't see any North player getting on the tear. And the other way is, uh, is if uh, Davis Uniaki completely puts it out of the midfield. I think Hawthorne's got the midfield depth 
to stop him. And, and Simpkins not playing either. Simpkins and, and Dave Zuniaki together are a really good combination. Uh, one of them missing. Um, the other one tends to struggle a bit. So I think mm. Hawthorne have got them sort of covered in that area. Could, um, could tag uh, Shields and Howe, just uh, keep those two out of the game. <laughs> just the two danger men there that they, they poach from us. So, uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, um, low, low blow for two hawks, one hawk legend. Anyway. I'd be more worried about Zerr actually getting off the chain and going berserk, which he does once or twice a year, kick six or seven. Yeah, no, that's yeah. true. But I, you just, it's just how much. I mean, the back line stood up pretty well last week, all things considered. But it was by far their best performance without Sicily. But just the relief that Hawthorne supporters at the game on Sunday we'll have just to see the team run out with Sicily there. They're just so much better organised down back. He's he's a he's a he's a defensive weapon and attacking weapon. Um, it'll just be sheer relief and joy. And he's now got uh, two or three more games to put together to get his overdue All Australian uh, plays. The one for which was all fitted out for last year, and they end up giving it to Tom Stewart. Um, let's just hope that Sicily gets it this year. He's uh, He's right on the on the fringe of on the cusp of selection. Another couple of good games from Sis in the next two weeks, and I reckon he will get it. Um, he is really really close. Couple of bits of news out of the Hawks before we finish up. Um, the first one is a contract extension, Darren, for James Blake through till twenty twenty four. You you of course must speak about him because of your mutual affection for the Everton Football Club. Um, you must be delighted to see a fellow Evertonian. Uh, Sigmund Hawthorne for another 12 months. You might now be able to afford a ticket to the new stadium. That's it. And, you know, who better to take than the one, the person that's been backing you from day one, uh, from, from back in Box Hill days. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm wrapped for blank. And I've got a really high hopes for him. I loved watching him at Box Hill. And I always thought that he was going to make it at this level. He hasn't let me down. It's been... Uh, you know, it, 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 he's still, we forget how young he is. I think he's he's 22 years old, um, developing into his body really nicely. He's got exceptional closing down speed. Um, he's, le- he's learned a lot this year playing on some really terrific players. And um, I think we pinched one um, in terms of just yeah, finding a player out of nowhere again um, and saving ourselves a, a sort of high pick. I mean, I mean, he's, he's. I know he's a completely different player to DGB, but you know, we didn't have to. Uh, you know, didn't have to use a high draft pick to to get him. He, um, he's he's just a, a smoky that we found through Box Hill, and it's uh, it seems like a really really uh, good deal for the club and for him. Yeah, Hogan kicked four goals on uh, on uh, Saturday, but I actually thought the blank broke even with him and as Gary Lyon pointed out in the co- in the call and geez it's, a, it's so nice to watch Hawthorne play when Gary Lyon's commentating because he actually takes the trouble to understand a bit about the Hawks and doesn't go for the cheap uh, uh, uninformed uh, commentary it was it was it was a joy to listen to him he's as informed on Hawthorne as any commentator there is it was uh, other than Jason Dunstall it was a terrific by Gary and he made the point that there was uh, there were um, several one-on-one contests in space of a few minutes that um, Blake halved. So again, we're a bit nervous when he's got ball in hand, but he, as a negator, he's pretty good. And you know, I think I, he's, I would I wouldn't think he's worthy yet of a long-term extension, but I think he certainly deserves another twelve months as a as a you know as a form of encouragement. And then if he has a good year, if he's tracking really well next year, then you think about locking him in for the next two or three years. Uh, we've got a special guest with us, Brad from Carlton. Hello, Brad. Evening all. I thought I'd pop in the last few minutes of the show just to say hi. Apologies, I couldn't make it tonight. Just got a quick funny story to tell. I was out for dinner and the host of the restaurant that I was at came up to me and said, are you Brad? I said, yes. <laughs> he said, I am a massive Hawks Insiders fan. I said, how do you know it was me? He recognised my voice. His name is uh, Elon. He knows you, uh, uh, Ash. He's oh, the yeah, host of uh, uh, Marble Steakhouse. So if anyone likes steak, the steak was unbelievable. It's in uh, Paran, but he's a massive fan of uh, Hawks Insiders, a huge Hawthorne fan. So he said he'll be listening after work uh, tonight. He listens every week. So uh, Elon, 
thanks for dinner and thanks for tuning in. I think we found a place for our end of year gathering. He actually mentioned that, so <laughs> yeah, well, I'll be. Oh, I'm so down. I'll, I'll, it's a great place. So yeah, I'm down with that. He used to run a. He used to run the deli. He used to run a cafe in uh, Hawthorne Road, Corfield. I know exactly who he is. Lovely guy, uh, Alon. Uh, stay in touch, mate. We'll be coming to see you later in the year. Um, last bit of news from the Hawks before we finish up, and I've managed. Darius has done very well with Mick to get through to 55 minutes. Uh, gold stamp for gold star for us. Never in doubt, Ash. We <laughs> yeah. always say it's going to be a short one, and an yeah, hour later, we, here we are. We wrap it on. Um, is that uh, Travis Old will be out tomorrow as the chief executive of the Australian Grand Prix Corporation, which means he won't be coming to Hawthorne as the chief executive. But a couple of names were floated. I think I'm going to write my next article for Consultants will be to handicap the field for the CEO. The interesting name that has come out in an article that appeared in the age this evening was Kylie Rogers, who is the rising star of the AFL, uh, head of commercial at the AFL, responsible for only bringing in about $500 million of revenue to the AFL every year, uh, all the non-football revenue. She missed out on getting the CEO's job. She did interview and she has also, she won't be the two IC job that will probably go to Brendan Gallagher wants it but I would imagine there will be people in her in football circles saying to her Kylie you could be not the you won't be the next CEO of the AFL but you could quite possibly be the one afterwards but what you need to do now is go and run a club for a while so I'm intrigued at the prospect of Kylie Rogers stepping away from the AFL where she really has not where there's not much more for her to do now. They've got some great commercial deals and more just uh, maintaining it for the next two two to three years. A lot of the long-term contracts have been signed. I mean, how many different category sponsors can you have, Darren? But um, I would have thought that if she's serious about making her, her long-term career in football, the Hawthorne chief executive's job would be fantastic for her. Uh, Brad, have you ever come across her in your travels? Uh, Kylie, I've met a couple of times, but I've heard excellent things about her. Uh, yeah, it, as you mentioned, Ash, she's highly uh, regarded at the AFL, done a wonderful job. Um, there was, you know, talk, um, you know, she would obviously was in the running for the CEO role of the AFL, so she'd be a wonderful uh, get for the club um, if they can get her on board. Uh, I don't know her well, but I have met her a couple of times over the journey and was always, you know, uh, great, you know, great, great speaking to her. Yeah, so another name that emerged was uh, Funky Caldolina, um, the former chief, former Fitzroy player and CEO of North Melbourne, who's now the COO at St Kilda. Um, and the article in The Age today also suggested that um, it might be such a well-paid, well-remunerated position that it might even tempt one or two CEOs of other clubs to put their hands up to go and take the Hawthorne job. So... Whether Hawthorne is throwing cash at it to get the best person, or it really is regarded as a plum job, you know, for all the issues Hawthorne's had, we've said it several times, they are cashed up, um, they're debt free, they've got loads of money to do really cool things. You've got Dingley at your disposal, and you've got a team that potentially, you know, in the next five years could win a premiership. It is, you would think, in spite of everything. A pretty good job. The other thing we should talk about very quickly is uh, the very, very sad news. We send a commiserations um, and thoughts at this sad time to Damien Barrett with the news that Hawthorne are not going to receive a, a draft sanction as a result of the, uh, the cultural review. Um, what do you think about that, Mick? I've been thinking about it. That was supposed to be sorted out really quickly, if I remember Gill saying when he said that um, what the follow-up was going to be. It was never going to be draft sanctions. You know, anybody who had a sense of logic knew that. Um, and before we go, too, I should commend you on getting Seamus Mitchell up for his um, Rising Star nomination, too. Um, yeah, yes. But in terms of yeah, the draft picks, and yeah, it was never, it was never going to happen. It wasn't a playing issue. It wasn't a playing offence or you know, salary cap offence. So why should the playing list get impacted by? Um, it'd be interesting to see what they this will do. True. I don't know what they... I honestly don't know what they will do because if they did penalise Hawthorne, what's then the incentive for any other club to do something similar at some point in time? 
um, yeah. unless the league says we're going to do it, we'll take it over from the from the start. Yeah, yeah, and the AFL couldn't get the coaches to talk either. Mm. Couldn't couldn't get Bert or couldn't get Jason Bert, Clark or, or Fags to talk mm. either. So, well, for all the things have been critical about Haw- Hawthorne of, or the the commentary has been critical about Hawthorne of, the AFL didn't yeah. either. And the other one, so, now there's a fourth one as well. Of course, it came out really late too. It's Cameron Matthews. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't. Yeah, it, and how it plays out in the in the um, equal opportunity commission will be just a different realm altogether because that'll be forced mediation undoubtedly. Um, and what yeah. what what actually gets revealed in terms of confidentiality will be the other aspect. Um, yeah. yeah, there's going to be a it's going to be a settle. There will be some sort of uh, mediated settlement, I think, down the track with this one. Of course, Damo's got a new thing now, uh, Brad, that uh, he's found a, another thing. Hawthorne haven't improved. That's now his, uh, that was his, uh, his latest offering on Hawthorne on the AFL. Yeah, clutching his straws, Damo. I'll probably be having a coffee with him in the morning. So I'm going to push him. He did say to me a few weeks ago that he'd come on at Hawks Insiders. So yeah. I'm going to push him on it uh, tomorrow <laughs> when I catch up with him. But I'm going to get him on for us to all whack him. Um, before the season's out. So, no, we're yeah, not going to whack him. We're gonna, no, we're not going to get on to whack him. We're going to have a conversation with Damo. No, yeah. we'll get Damo. I yeah. think Damo is actually up for it. And sell to Damo, Brad, if you see him, I'll speak to him as well, is we don't want to whack him. We'll come on. We'll actually have some fun with him. I, see, I think we should get him on to apologise for spelling his name wrong that one time. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> that apparently that just, yeah. <laughs> and the other person I think we'll get on for the end is Kane Corns. I think he, uh, I think he's quite intrigued. He, he he suddenly comes on and listens to a few minutes every now and then. I think we'll get Kano on. I want to wait till we get back to Thursday nights. Now, uh, Patrick's made the point, and it's a very valid point, that the Matildas are playing, I think, the next one or two Thursdays. So I'm not sure what the interest will be in going head-to-head with the Matildas. So we're going to talk internally amongst us, and I'll also talk to um, we'll out there in a bit of a poll as well um, in the next day or so. Uh, if there's strong grounds for uh, us doing a our space is back on Thursdays while the Matildas are playing. I'm very open to the idea of staying on Wednesdays. We'll uh, we'll communicate that to everybody really, really soon. Before we go, Brad, uh, your dissection is out tomorrow. Just uh, no names, no Patriot. What are you thinking? Yeah, I, I have, again, once again, called for changes, some forced, some unforced. Um, I don't think it'll happen. But I might have to do a bit of a, an edit ash because. Oh, no. Oh, Brad, really? Actually, no. I'm not it's scheduled out. It's scheduled, Brad. Sorry. No, so. keep it uh, as is, actually. Keep it uh, as is. But uh, yeah, I don't know how much you guys touched on the game or not, but like, we need to win this game. We, yeah, we have touched on that, uh, barring uh, Cameron Zerha, Nick Larkey, or. Um, Finn will tag, uh, what's his name, uh, LDU, so he'll be out. And he's, I think Simpkins out injured. They've lost loads. They've got heaps of guys out. Um, we should be winning this game by five-plus goals. They're not playing very well, North. They'd have to be a massive turnaround in form yeah. for Hawthorne to lose them. But I think this will be their grand final. This is the game. I think their selection last week would suggest they might have put a couple of guys on ice to save it for this week. So... Uh, no, this is probably their... They've got two chances to win a game for the rest of the year. I think they play West Coast again. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, they've got West Coast as well. Yeah. So they'll see two winnable games for the rest of the year, this one and West Coast. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if they've, if they've uh, rested a couple of guys ahead of this week. So it remains to be seen. It is, as I've said a couple of times, Hawthorne has one game interstate left for the rest of the year. It is a home game against the Bulldogs, I think, round 22. Otherwise... Six and X seven all in Melbourne. So they are going to play consecutive games in Melbourne starting this week for the rest of the season. We can watch the team's development and draw our own conclusions and make our own rash judgments with our own eyes rather than through the lens of Fox Footy. Does that'll be pretty good. Is do you consider Marvel part of Melbourne? Because that's like well, an interesting game do. for me. I know, I, I know you don't because you uh, you don't you go no further north than, than Fitzroy. Oh, and no, no. Further, no, no further west than. than uh, it's just than a terrible. Street. That was just a terrible footy experience, Marvel. I'll go. I go begrudgingly, but 
I don't, I can't say I've ever really enjoyed uh, a Marvel experience except that Ruffy, Ruffy's last game, I think, was the only one that that was just a uh, magic uh, experience, and that had nothing to do with the stadium. So, what about, what not about a, Buddy, not a, what about Buddy against Adelaide? Didn't didn't do anything for you? Yeah, but we're going back a long way in a, now, Ash. So, I can't even well, remember Buddy, Buddy playing for Hawthorne. Uh, it's been that long, but uh, yeah. I actually wasn't going to go this week because I didn't have a lot. Didn't have, didn't have much interest for going, and then uh, a couple of family members said they really want to go this week, and would I go with them? So I am reluctant. It's not often I reluctantly go watch Hawthorne or against my against my will go and watch Hawthorne, but this is one of those few occasions when I've been really happy to watch it on the couch. But uh, for my penance, I will go. It'll be mean if you die hard. It's a North home game. It's not a replacement game for Hawthorne fans, so I'm not quite sure. How many people will be there in brown and gold? But maybe the chance of seeing a win will bring a few people through the gates that otherwise might not get there. That has been it uh, for Auckland Titans. We actually managed to do an hour, th- an hour and six down. So well done, us. Mick, thank you for stepping in as a co-host. Always great to have your wisdom and input and, uh, and your mail from training. So thank you and uh, go well. Thanks, Ash. It's been a pleasure. Uh, Brad, thanks for joining us for the late cameo. Thanks, guys. Apologies. That's all right. I think we're back to full strength next week. I think both uh, Wesley and Danny and Myra will all be around next week, so we might might get all of us uh, uh, next week or two, which would be great to have the full complement of team. Thanks, everyone, for your support of Hawks Insiders. Um, for $5 a month, $50 a year, for great Hawthorne online content. Daz, any last words? No, I think, uh, I think maybe we'll keep it going and just prove everyone wrong that didn't think we could go for more than an hour and 10 but um yeah thanks everyone for joining us big thanks to mick again uh and love love the cameo brad and uh looking forward to our end of season dinner at at marble that great steakhouse in south yara um so look out for our match review recap we'll probably be recording late sunday night for a monday morning drop a match recap article will uh, appear shortly after that as it always does. Enjoy the rest of the week. Enjoy the footy. There are eight games, eight interesting, relevant games of footy this weekend. And then there's Hawthorne North, which, as we all know, is the only one that really matters. We look forward to talking to you all about it over the next few days. Thanks for joining Hawks Insiders. Enjoy the rest of your week and good night.